Philemon. There's only one chapter. We're going to finish this off tonight. Uh, Bear with me. We'll try to finish this off, verse uh, 17 all the way down to verse 25. Philemon is right before Hebrews. So if you got the Hebrews, you've, you, you've gone too far. And Titus is right before it. So if you hit Titus, you haven't gone far enough. There you go. Philemon. And verse number 17, we'll pick up right there. Last time we studied Paul's request, I think it was about two weeks ago, maybe more, maybe three weeks ago, we studied Paul's request. Basically, he wrote to Philemon saying this, Receive Onesimus as if he were sent from mine own heart. Receive him just like you would receive me. And this time, we'll look at his promise to Philemon, his promise to Philemon. So we've been looking at the book in three parts, the praise of Philemon, the plea, or the request to Philemon, and um, now the promise to Philemon. So Paul started this little letter, if you remember, with generous compliments. And we might say that he was priming the pump. Does anybody know where that expression comes from, priming the pump? Anyone know what that? Yeah. Can can you explain that to us, Brother Clifford? Yeah. So we're talking about talking about like a well out in front of the house. Yeah. I see. Yes. When, when my mom was a little girl, uh, she had the job oftentimes of running and getting the water for different things. So she'd have to go out. She told me about priming the pump. And some of the houses uh, that I grew up around out in the country still had those pumps out in front. So I know what they look like, but they didn't work by that time. So. I see. Yeah, amen. Now we just turn on the... <laughs> yeah, we're spoiled now. Now I can hit a button and get cold water, hit a button and get hot water. So uh, so Paul was priming the pump, and seriously, though, uh, Philemon, he encouraged Paul. So he was worthy of all the, the praise that Paul had for him. Uh, he was just a refreshing brother to be with. That's what we've studied here. His fellowship was warm and sincere and heartfelt. He was just a guy that you liked to be around. And so Paul said those things about him and talked about how he'd been praying for him. But Paul might have put his friendship with this man on the line by what he said in verse 17. Because he says here, If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. He's talking real plain now. He'd kind of been inching up to his request and getting a little closer and a little closer, but now he just comes out with it. He's saying, if you count me as a friend, which I know that you do, then receive this runaway slave as myself and receive him as you would me. So Philemon may have wondered, you know, 
He's, picture Philemon sitting there in his house and all of the daily operations going on around him. He's a wealthy man. He has servants. He has uh, different business opportunities around him, things that he's doing. And here comes his runaway slave, maybe into his office. He's standing there before him, maybe with his hand, head hung low, and he hands him this letter from Paul. And now uh, Philemon is reading this letter with his runaway slave right there in front of him, probably thinking, what am I supposed to do with this guy? What's the Christian response here? What would glorify God in this situation? But now in verse 18, if he hath wronged thee, Paul says, or oweth thee aught, put that on my account. That phrase right there, put that on my account, is a good definition for the doctrine of imputation. If I uh, were to have my own study Bible up here, I might underline that phrase right there, put that on my account, and put imputation out in the margin. That's a good Bible definition. As a matter of fact, those same words are translated in other places as uh, imputation and in speaking about that doctrine. That means to put something on somebody else's account. The runaway slave must have robbed Philemon before leaving Colossae. That's where uh, he was there to fund his travels. And I learned that it was pretty common for slaves to run away and to run to some big city, you know, where no one knows their name and just to kind of blend in and just melt into, you know, the, the new uh, city there and just disappear. A lot of them had their freedom that way. Uh, and that is no doubt what he was doing there. And so, um, there were losses because probably because he robbed him, and also there were additional losses because he was absent from work. And that, uh, that loss, you know, Philemon had to take that loss. But Paul was willing to pay for the damages on behalf of Onesimus. Now, there's a blessing in this, so follow with me on it if you would. This is a scriptural illustration of what Christ does on behalf of every sinner that comes to him and puts his faith and trust in Jesus for salvation. Our sin is put on Christ's account, as we've talked so many times about. We're reconciled to the Father through the person of Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus' work, through his merit, that we are reconciled with the Father. And it's through the work and the merit of Paul and Paul is suggesting this to Philemon, that Onesimus could be reconciled to Philemon. And he says, basically, receive Onesimus and accept him in my person, in, 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 my, in place of my work. I'll pay for the damages. And on behalf of my merit as your friend, that's what Paul the aged apostle was saying. Now, if you want a real blessing, think of it this way. You wronged the Father. I wronged the Father with my sin. Romans chapter 5, verse 10 says that we were enemies of God before we came to Jesus Christ for forgiveness. Enemies. That's a truth that's really not preached these days. That's what you were before you became a Christian, an enemy of God. I don't care how nice, how sweet, how polite, how educated you were, you were an enemy 
of God. Just like Philemon, uh, him and Onesimus, they were not on good terms. Onesimus made himself an enemy, a runaway slave, and the death penalty is the way that he could have dealt with that, you know. So you wronged the father and I wronged the father, and your debt was placed on Christ's account. When you come to the Father, he receives you as his own son, as Jesus Christ. That's an incredible statement. Just like Paul said, receive Onesimus as myself. Just, just act like it's just me coming to visit you. Receive him as myself. It's the same thing. When, when we come to the Father, God receives us as his son. You can't get any more right with God than you are when you come in the name of Jesus Christ. You understand that? We need to get a good dose of that gospel medicine. Take that gospel pill. That's the truth, folks. That's the truth. You can't get any more right with God than you already are by faith in Jesus Christ based on his person, his work, and his merit. That's your position. Now, you were an enemy, but now you're a friend. Now you're accepted in the beloved. That's a blessing. Paul gives his pledge in the next verse and even signs it with his own hand. Verse 19, if I, Paul, I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand, I think it may be that he's referring to the whole letter or it might be just that in verse 17 and 18 he wrote that with his own hand. Either way, I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand I will repay it. You see, he's making his pledge. I'll cover him. If that's, an, if that's the issue, I'll cover him. But if Philemon thought about sending him a bill, you know, Paul's saying, I'll pay for the losses. But in, just in case Philemon was thinking about sending him a bill, then he says in the second half of the verse, just remember this. I do not say to thee how thou owest me, even thine own self besides. So he's saying, you remember that I came and I preached the gospel and it was the result of my gospel work that you were saved, Philemon. So he's basically saying, you owe me your life. And uh, <laughs> you see, he might have put his friendship on the line with what he was saying there, but I think he thought this about Philemon. He knew Philemon was going to do the right thing. He knew Philemon was going to forgive this runaway slave, because Philemon's heart had been conquered by the grace of God and the love of Jesus Christ. So he knew, just based on the person that he was, his character, he was going to do the right thing. But still, Paul's very, very tactful. So he walks him through it. What was the right thing to do? Verse 20, Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. So Paul uh, manages to do all of this with a smile, saying, let me have joy of thee in the Lord to see you do the right thing. And um, I try to imagine, you know, this first century slave owner just reading this with Onesimus standing right there and just probably grinning at the way that Paul's handling this. And he's probably thinking, there's no way that I cannot do this, you know. And probably just thinking to himself, I'm going to have to forgive him, going to have to take him back. And um, that term refresh my bowels we talked about that before the the ancient people they believed that the feelings resided like in the intestines 
Did you ever, um, well, I mean, all of us have felt this at one time or another. Somebody tells you something like, I had this uh, the brother uh, sitting up here. What's his name? I forgot it all of a sudden. Brother, uh, he sings. Yes, when he told you that story about him and his wife descending in their elevator in their home, and then it drops, what, like seven feet? Did you not go, ooh, and cringe? And he talked about his bones were weak because, and they broke uh, because of the cancer treatment. And uh, when he told me that, I cringed, and I could feel that from the top of my head down to the soles of my feet, you know what I'm saying? You can just feel it, man, when somebody tells you something like that. And uh, maybe because of that, the ancients believed that sometimes if you're hit with something real shocking, it can turn your stomach, make you sick. Or if somebody just <laughs> takes your heart out and you know, just throws it on the ground and breaks it into a million pieces, man, you can feel that. That, that. that seizes your body if you've ever been through that. So maybe that's why the ancients thought that. But our modern-day equivalent, the bowls, is, the bowels is like the bowl. It's the inside of a thing. Our modern-day equivalent is to say, uh, you, you refresh my heart. You know, deep down in my heart, uh, you, you touch my heart. Something like that. That's how we say it. So, verse 21, having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say, he says. Here, uh, he's not even subtle anymore like he was when he began the letter. He just comes right out with it, saying, I know you're going to do what I would, would like you to do and what is right in this situation. But he continues to urge him to take him back. And, and I think that Paul had complete confidence, as I said. Um, and I wonder if later on Onesimus wasn't offered his freedom. You know, he was a slave. And I wonder... He says, I have confidence knowing that thou will also do more than I say. I wonder if uh, Philemon just thought, you know what, Onesimus, you're saved now. You're a brother in Christ. I'm a brother to you now in Christ. Maybe he offered him his freedom. Maybe said, I'm, I'm going to let you work it off and buy your freedom from you. I don't know. Maybe he did. It doesn't say, this book doesn't say anything one way or another, either for or against slavery. It just doesn't. It's not a political book. It's a personal letter between Paul and this man. But uh, maybe he offered him his freedom and maybe he didn't want it. Maybe he uh, liked, you know, now that he was in the center of God's will, all of a sudden this place here in Colossae doesn't seem like such a bad place anymore. You know, oftentimes just getting our attitude right about a thing can make us think this place that I used to want to leave, now I want to stay because this is right where God wants me to be. You know, there's nowhere worse that you could find yourself than somewhere that God doesn't want you to be. That might not be good English, but I think you understand what I'm saying. And there's no better place to be than right where God wants you to be, amen? I remember when I was a kid, probably Colton's age, I started thinking about it. I can't wait to get out of this town, man. I am out of here when I reach 18. And if I can, I'm going to do it at 17. And I did. I left at 18. I was out. Cambridge was in the rearview mirror. So long, you know. So long. I'm, I'm going to go do something, you know. And I just, I hated Cambridge. I said things about that city, and I, I, I don't feel that way about it now. And you know where the Lord sent me after I got saved and got right with him? <laughs> right back to my hometown. Right back to Cambridge. But then, 
I wanted to be there because that's where, that's where my bus route was. That's where my kids were that I was trying to pick up and bring into Sunday school. That was my ministry. So it's funny how that happens. <clears throat> um, so verse uh, 21 there, what do you think about this? Put yourself in Philemon's shoes. Forgiving a runaway slave. That would have been difficult for many reasons, because just think culturally, what would happen, you know, is probably, if it wasn't the death penalty, it would be a very serious punishment. Now, you, you might know this already, but Old Testament law, really, it, it, Paul was forbidden to do what he did. If a slave runs away, you're not supposed to force the slave to go back. So that was forbidden, but we're not under Old Testament law. Paul was telling him what was the right thing to do now that you're saved. The right thing to do is to go back and make restitution to your boss. But think about Philemon, how hard that would be. Difficult, right? What do you think about that? What, what kind of roadblocks do you think today make it difficult for us to forgive people? You know, think about this. What about when somebody offends you and uh, they take money from you and you, there's a financial loss as a result of what somebody did to you? It's hard to forgive them, ain't it? It's hard to forgive them. Somebody, somebody causes you uh, some financial loss. Somebody, you, you lose, maybe, maybe uh, I think about what I did to my uncle one time as a snot-nosed teenager, thought I knew everything, and I wrecked one of his work trucks. I was never going to, I wasn't worth it as an employee. He just lost money. And it'd be hard to forgive somebody like that. Wreck your work truck. And it was totaled. It was gone. Uh, anybody ever hurt you like that? What about an offense that uh, you knew was probably going to be repeated? Isn't it hard to forgive somebody like that? You know? You know they're going to do it again. But the Bible says we have to forgive. Right? And that could have very well happened because they, yeah, and it, and it did happen in a lot of cases, you know, history records. And their, their relationship was reconciled and restored, but that took Philemon having to be a, a good Christian and forgiving him, forgiving him. So that wouldn't be easy. Um, what about when uh, the offense, you know, that you have to put up with, what about when it causes you embarrassment? I mean, what they do to you now is like <clears throat> you can't can't get rid of that. That's part of who you are now, and people know that about you. You know what I'm saying? Somebody offends you, and it causes you embarrassment. There's several different, I won't say anything specifically, but there's several different cases where that could be the case. Maybe a child does something to you and embarrasses you and the whole family. Maybe... A uh, spouse does something and embarrasses you, and you can't live it down the rest of your life. That's going to be that's going to be there. Uh, maybe <coughs> you know, maybe somebody, a friend, does something 
It's hard sometimes to forgive, but is it ever okay to just say, Lord, I think in this case, in this situation, I really don't have to forgive him, right? Because, I mean, these are circumstances that, I mean, Lord, don't you understand? Don't you think the Lord would just say, what does my word say? Forgive. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. And what if what if God all of a sudden just said, you know what? I could forgive most of the stuff that you did, John, but I can't forgive that. Lord, help us. <clears throat> Peter talking to Jesus, he said, uh, how many times should I forgive my brother? Right. Seventy times seven. So some and, and if you've ever had to do it, which I have and I'm not going to tell you about it. But I have, and it's not easy, but to forgive somebody with, with like a radical forgiveness, it just don't make sense. But I do it because I'm commanded to do it. And then, and then to say, I just, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. I think I'm just kind of saying it, but I'm not feeling it. And if you do that, and if you're sincere, and you pray, and you say, God, help me to actually mean this from my heart to forgive him. Amen. Yeah. Yes. Even if it was an enemy, you know, even if it was an enemy, even if it was uh, somebody who persecuted you for righteousness sake, you're even supposed to be good to your enemies, do good things for them. So, man, so I guess sometimes you might have to do that stuff and just say, Lord, help my heart to catch up with what I'm doing here. Uh, but to do it as unto the Lord. So, all right. Well, now Paul begins to close his letter in verse number 22, and he evidently expects to be released soon because he says, but with all, prepare me also a lodging, which I can't help but just think, now he's saying, Paul's saying, now he's going to come see me, you know? <laughs> if I don't do this thing, he's going to find out, you know? It's like the preacher saying, I'm going to come by and visit you, you know? <laughs> uh, he's going to come check me out. So he says, prepare a place for me to lodge. I want to come stay at your house. For I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. Um, it could be that, that Philemon uh, was pastoring that little flock that met in his house. You remember back in verse 2, Paul said, Grace, uh, no, he says, uh, and to the church in thy house. There was a church meeting in his house. So it may be that he was the pastor there with the things he was saying about him. I don't know that. But uh, Paul's saying, let me come lodge there, and he's maybe planning on doing some preaching there at that church. But um, did Paul ever stay at Philemon's house? We just don't know for sure. But uh, we do know that Paul passed through Ephesus. This was his first imprisonment. And uh, after his first imprisonment, he went through Ephesus to go see Timothy, and Colossae's not far away. So it might very well be that he actually did stay there at his house. So in concluding this epistle... Paul sends greetings from some men that were in Rome. Notice he says, There salute thee, Epaphras. These are men that are in Rome with Paul, and he's sending greetings on their behalf. 
First of all, Epaphras. We read uh, Epaphras was detained with Paul. He was in prison with him. There salute the Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, or John Mark. This is uh, the one who was serving with Paul and Barnabas. Do you remember that? You remember the disagreement, the sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas over John Mark. And uh, Paul said he's not reliable out in the field. Paul said he's going to turn on us and he's going to run when the going gets tough. He's going he's to run. Uh, so Paul thought that he wasn't uh, the right kind of material for the ministry, but Barnabas, he was the son of encouragement. He wanted to give him a chance, and he said, no, let me work with him. And So Paul and Barnabas split ways over that thing. Paul went with Silas. Barnabas went with John Mark. So we gather then that now their relationship was mended because there was Marcus with Paul in Rome. John Mark... He started out being unprofitable to Paul, but he ended up being profitable. That's what the word uh, Philemon means, by the way, profitable. So this, this whole letter is about how to be a profitable Christian. John Mark started out being unprofitable, but he ended up being profitable. That's what I want to do, amen? I might have started wrong, and I did. I started wrong, but I want to end right. Amen? And that ought to be the goal of every one of us here. And here's the encouraging word. Even if you do start wrong, you can end right. So he says here, Aristarchus. Aristarchus was a brother from the church in Thessalonica. And Demas. Demas would eventually desert Paul during his second Roman imprisonment, we learn. Uh, but let's look back at 2 Timothy. You're not far from it. Just a couple of books over. 2 Timothy chapter 4. You know, Demas is remembered for one thing, isn't he? Demas hath forsaken me, Paul said. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. He took off. He was serving the Lord. He was in the ministry. He was a fellow soldier with Paul. And he was uh, AWOL. He forsook Paul. In verse 10, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. So, back in, Ty or in Philemon, he was still faithful and still profitable to Paul, he was still a faithful gospel worker. So Demas started out being profitable, but he ended up being what? Unprofitable. Somebody is, someone has said this, the difference between the two was a problem of the heart. The difference between the two is in what they love. If you want to be profitable to the Lord, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of what we love. Demas loved the world. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved the present world, Paul says. He loved the world, but Marcus, he loved the Lord Jesus Christ. Demas, he stopped loving the Lord Jesus Christ, and he started loving something that God says is evil. 
God says this present world system is evil, you know? It's evil. Now, not the hills, you know, and the, ca- the cattle on the hills. I, I love driving into where I live, and right now the, the, the fields are just like a, a neon green almost, and the beautiful yellow ragweeds or whatever they are, but they're beautiful. I'd probably wreak havoc on your sinuses, but just it's a beautiful thing, and the, and the cows on the hill, and, uh, you know, even on a dreary day like this, it's just, it's gorgeous. Uh, the old barn off in the distance, it's not talking about the, 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 the swallows, the birds, little birds. Uh, it's talking about the world system that is under the uh, spirit of Antichrist. It's talking about what this world has to offer you. And believe me, you know what the devil can do? He can take his fishing pole and just go fishing for one fish, and it might be you. And take his fishing pole and cast that thing and put just, he just reaches right down into his tackle box and he says, I got a lure, and I know this one right here. This can get John. I'm going to put that on there, cast that out there, and just dangle it right in front of him and wait for you to bite. You see, there's something in this world the devil can say, something that's evil, and can get you to turn on the Lord and forsake the Lord. And you see, it's a problem of the heart when that happens. You've got to love the Lord most of all. Love the Lord. You don't have to be perfect. But you, and you don't have to start out right. Just because you didn't start out right doesn't mean you can't end right. So Marcus, he loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And even though he made a temporary mistake, he was unfaithful out in the field. He got scared and he ran. He made a temporary mistake, but he never stopped loving the Lord Jesus Christ. That's good. Man, that did my heart good Amen. when I was studying this. You know, uh, Paul... He had a doctor with him throughout most of his ministry. Notice he says, uh, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, Lucas. Lucas, my fellow laborers. This was uh, none other than Dr. Luke. And the name means, the name Lucas means light bearer. And that's what we're supposed to be, little light bearers. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And that's what Dr. Luke was. You see, you can be a highly educated Uh, light for Jesus and it might be God's will for you to go to medical school you know and be a light for Jesus in the medical world it might be God's will for you to work construction and be a foreman on a job site one day and be a light like that Uh, my my friend Eddie he's a foreman in a factory and he's a light for Jesus Christ people guys will come into his office and just unload on him talk about what's going on in the home life and you know what he does just little ways here and there he's a light he he, he, he it's it's evident that he's a man of faith and he encourages them and you know you know how that works have somebody like that in your life you can see the difference so he was a light bearer and paul he had health troubles all throughout uh most of his ministry paul was able to heal others uh and then at the end paul himself he couldn't heal himself And even Timothy, at the end of Paul's ministry, Timothy, he left in Miletus sick. He told Timothy to take a little wine for his stomach's sake, for his oft infirmities, some of the forms of medicine back then. Uh, He was telling Timothy, drink no longer water. Don't drink that water. It's going to make you sick. Put the wine into the water. That'll kill the bad bacteria, things like that. And uh, so verse uh, 25 then, 
verse 25. This was Paul's manner of closing out his letters. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Paul invoked the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ for his readers, <coughs> who in this case, his readers were Philemon, his wife, Aphia, and their son, Archippus, or at least we believe that was his family. And, you know, Paul would do that in Galatians six eighteen When he closed out that letter, he said, Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Uh, when he closed out 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 22, The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. That was just his manner of closing out the letters. But I want you to notice there's something here, a little detail, but it's interesting. At verse 25, he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your, notice a pronoun there, that's a plural pronoun. When you're reading the King James Bible, you can always tell that it's plural when he's using those second person pronouns, because if it's a Y, that means it's plural. So he's talking to Philemon, his wife, and his son, and possibly the whole church that's in his house. But this is a personal letter, so I take it just Philemon and his family. But it's plural, you see, it's not singular. If it's a T, if he would have said, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit, he would have just been talking to Philemon. But this tells me something about Paul. Paul had class. Paul, he, he wouldn't ignore the man's family, you know. I've known some people, when they meet me, to completely ignore my wife and ignore my son standing right beside me and just say, hey, I heard about you, and talk about music or one thing or another. And there she's standing there just... You know, I've known people do that. No class, no class. Uh, the family's a unit. They're all one together. So Paul just greets all of them. And that's just the kind of man he was. He was a gentleman. And I pray, Lord, help me, help me, help me. Because I know I'm rough and I know I offend people unnecessarily. And you never want to offend somebody unnecessarily. And I know I do it and it, I kick myself every time I do it. Help me to help me to be good with people, you know. Pay attention to those details. So in conclusion, the issue in this letter was not human rights. Just want to say that again. It wasn't about slavery. The issue was profitable Christian service. And um, how's God spoken to your heart in this little letter? Did he speak to you about doing what's right when it isn't easy? Doing what's right when it isn't easy, like forgiving somebody? Or even doing what's right when nobody else would know the difference, unless Paul came to visit. But otherwise, no one would know the difference. Not in his immediate vicinity, but eventually in the churches, they would find out Philemon didn't, he wasn't perfect in his forgiveness. He held a grudge. Maybe uh, God dealt with you about understanding your obligations to brothers and sisters in Christ. We do have obligations to one another. We can't just live unto ourselves. We're part of a family now. And What about forgiving when you're wronged? Did God speak to you about that? Maybe somebody in your life that you need to forgive, that you've been withholding forgiveness from. Uh, I heard somebody say one time that unforgiveness is kind of like drinking poison and then hoping that the other person gets hurt. Because the only one that gets hurt is the person that's drinking that poison. That unforgiveness turns to bitterness. Allowing the uh, reconciliation of estranged relationships. Maybe somebody is estranged from you and it was their fault. 
but maybe the Lord's saying, be open to reconciling that. What about uh, trusting in Christ as the sole means of your reconciliation with the Father? Maybe you're trusting in something else other than Christ. And I said to you, it's just that Christ says to the Father, put her sins on my account and receive her just like you would receive me, and it's done. And that's exactly what the Father does. Maybe uh, the Lord dealt with you about faithfully praying for others. Paul had a long prayer list we learned about. Paul prayed for others. And uh, are you open to the prospect of God using you to lead others to Christ? That's how this whole thing started. This runaway slave ends up in Rome and somehow runs into Paul, and it was just a divine appointment, and Paul led him to Christ, and that's how the whole thing got started. Maybe God would use you for divine appointments, and would you say to him, I'm open, I'll try, I'll try, Lord, if you'll use me, and just pray, say, Lord, use me to lead somebody to Christ, give me some ripe fruit, some low-hanging fruit, somebody that's easy to try to bring to Christ, and use me to do that, and watch him do that. All right, let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer uh, with those words. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I Thank you for this study in the book of Philemon. I thank you, Lord. Uh, it's just, it's a rich little book. And Lord, uh, like somebody said, it's like we were looking over the shoulder of Paul as he was writing this little letter because it was a private thing. And then you went and put it in the Bible and it's been a blessing to all of us. And we thank you for letting us read somebody else's mail. And um, we thank you for that beautiful picture of how Christ reconciles us to the Father, and Lord, I thank you for salvation full and free. I thank you for the forgiveness of sins, and I pray that you'd use us as a church to find some runaway enemy of God and to be able to point them to Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for bringing it back.